Globally, businesses and corporations are faced with challenges that requires fresh thinking on strategy, leadership and governance to survive. The Anchor is a program designed to help organizations and individuals to be skilled in handling challenges. Join Dr. Osara Emokai, a development economist and a corporate strategist for this interactive, informative, educative program. I want to welcome you to today's episode of The Anchor. And I hope you have been enjoying the earlier episodes of the program. And I'm going to go on short break. And after the short break, we will come back. Thank you. Are you a small business owner, a trader, a school owner, a federal civil servant, a Lagos or a do civil servant, a farmer or a farm supply merchant? Do you need a loan or wish to fix your money for a high yield interest? Talk to us today and get your loan in less than 24 hours. Visit our website on www.lapo-nigeria.org or call us on 0813-984-0230. Email info at lapo-nigeria.org. So welcome back to this episode of the anchor. With me to my left is Mrs. Osai Mopai and to my right is Mr. Ebi Tebepina. Today we are going to focus on what I call strategic security. Strategic security is called by some uh, school of thought wholesome security. Some other people uh, call it composite security. So it depends on which school of thought you belong. Whichever one suits you. But I want to christen this one today, strategic security. Now, if you, if we watch what happens around us, in our country and in so many parts of the world, there is so much restiveness. People are overwhelmed with challenges. In some occasions, people take their lives. They are in despair. And when you look around all these, you know, the, where people are so despaired, you then say, is there not a solution? Is there not something that could be done to ensure that people don't, you know, carry despair and they end their lives prematurely? Either due to, you know, a very, uh, you know, compromised immune system or even lack of the will to live. And that is why it's important that we, you know, we make a contribution towards the discourse. How do we ensure a better and a safer world? To ensure a better and a safer world, we need to look at the composite or the strategic security, security architecture. I want to call it that, you know, use that to, to encompass everything. So we will introduce us during this episode into what does it really mean? What do we really mean by composite security architecture? What do we mean by it? Or strategic security? What do we really mean by this? And we are going to begin to unpack them one after the other in subsequent episodes. So let me just to define a simple definition of um, security. When you take it at a strategic level, a simple definition is the state of being free from danger and harm's way. The state of being free from danger and harm's way. So, there are different types and there are different components. You know, I call it a composite strategic architecture. You know, how, what is this? What are the, if we be, want to begin to unpack this that we have, you know, title we're giving, we're, we're just introducing, what 
What are those components of this? Of this composite uh, strategic security architecture? But do you want to, uh, Mr. Samokpa, do you want to say something about, you know, your own? Because it's made of a, a basket of a number of things. Is that something you want to mention? Yeah, when we are talking of a wholesome security, yeah. we'll be talking of uh, the physical security, the financial security. We talk of health awareness security, mm -hmm. as well as uh, food security. Anything that sort of give anyone or put you in danger is what we'll be talking about in this episode. Okay, that's good. And what that then says is this. If you then look at all those areas of needs, how do you ensure we are able to deal with those areas of needs? Because every area of need requires a mode of security. Every area of need. And that's exactly what she said. Uh, financial need, physical need, spoke about food, health, uh, hunger, health, and so on and so forth. Maybe two more I would want to just add. Uh, emotional need. And there's also the spiritual need. You know, all these areas are important in designing a comprehensive security architecture for a nation, for a community, and for a family. And indeed, for even every individual. So, as I said earlier, where there is need, there is an associated dimension of danger. Anywhere there is a need, there is an associated dimension of danger that needs security in that area. And so, and somehow, security is one area that contributes to security. So, security is one area. For instance, you talk about financial security. It can actually also help you in terms of looking at physical security because they are all intertwined. They are all intertwined and they are networked together. And so and that's why, you know, rather than just uh, treating them and uh, looking at symptoms, we need to look at both the underlying paradigm of security and then to see the, even the symptoms and the manifestation in society. You know, but after you look at it, that underlying paradigm. So, Mr. Abby, maybe you want to throw something in into this, uh, you know, we're discussing about okay. security. Just on the health part, I also yeah. want to extend by saying that, you know, poor hygiene is also an aspect, um, one, if not looked at well, can impact on, 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 on the, the danger uh, one is exposed to. Environmental, we are looking at today um, what what the global globally is seen as uh, uh, degradation, global warming, and all that. If all of this is not the environment is not the environment is not safe, mm. erosion, flood, and all that, there's immense danger ahead, and that's what uh, I just want to add to, uh, to that. Okay, so thank you very much. You mentioned the issue of health, health security, uh, which is very very important. Wellness uh, is very very important. You know, but you see, you look at the life of man and say, what are the needs? We are different, we have different people who have tried to develop models about 
the needs of man, the needs of everyone. And in some ways, suggest ways to deal with each of these areas so that we are secured in every of those areas. Now, you find that in the country, Nigeria, a, a massive issue today is about life expectancy. How long do we really live as a people? And life expectancy in our country, Nigeria, is about 54 years today. For a long time, for a long time, it was about 49. That was the life expectancy. And when you talk about life expectancy of 49 in Nigeria, you, had, you were talking about 70 in Egypt. And uh, when you begin to go to more developed uh, uh, countries like the United Kingdom, you look at 81. Now, when you then look at the Nigerian life expectancy, that is the average age, the average age which we die, the average, taking the average in this country. You find whereas you look at women to be around 56, you find men maybe around 52, 53, and when you average, they come to about between 54 and 55. Now, why is it, why is the life expectancy that low in Nigeria? Why is it one of the lowest? A critical underlying factor, you know, why life expectancy is that, is because of the misery index. Because of the misery index. You see, misery index, there's a way in which it is calculated. But I will also give you a very simple definition of misery index, for instance. You know, when you want to calculate misery index of a country, like you are calculating the uh, GDP, gross domestic product, or national income, and the per capita income, and share that amongst people as an average, you want to, you know, a per capita income. So, misery index is the outcome when we add unemployment, we add inflation, we look at bank lending rates together, and subtract the change in real GDP, gross domestic product per capita. Now, let me simplify this, you know, because that's a technical thing, you know, we use in development and uh, development economics. Now, let me take you now on to explaining that, you know, in a simplified manner in which, uh, you know, our audience will can get to understand this properly. And that is that misery index is, a, is the measurement of the degree of misery or how miserable people are in a country or in a community, even in a household, over a period of time. And usually it's done over one year. So well, let me take it again. Misery index is a measure of the degree of misery or how miserable people are in a country, in a community, over a period of time. And usually which is one year for the computation. So when misery index is very high, it affects life expectancy. It affects life expectancy. You know, where misery index is very high. For instance, let me quickly just say this about uh, misery index in a couple of countries. You look at misery index in Nigeria. Misery index in Nigeria is essentially was put at about 40%. As against 14% in Ghana, and less than 10%, maybe about 5% in Great Britain. 
That misery index. Now, when you look at the percentages, it was about 40. Or do you know by the time that itself needed to be upgraded to accommodate unemployed youth, after the NSAR protest, it was important to recalculate the misery index. It rightly found that the misery index in Nigeria, in real terms, is about 68%. It's about the highest in the world. The only two other countries that compete with Nigeria are that, are that bottom. They are Afghanistan and Iran. That is where the misery index is that is that hard. And so, and so, so because of that, that very high misery index, they, you then find that people don't live long. And the one that lying that misery index is poverty. So let me just come on to this point now. You see, I've tried to define this misery index, the technical term and all. Um, and uh, we see that you know, people are in sorrow, uh, we to live is very, very poor, and all that. Uh, Mr. Simon Paddy, why are you your thoughts on this? People have expectation. For instance, you will expect that when you get home, you have uh, water or you have electricity and some other things that will give you some comfort. Yes. You get home, you don't have it, and you are going to the streets. It leads you uh, anger. It, it, it leads you touch. Yes. You see somebody exploding. It's a kind of transfer aggression. And that affects you and affects the other person. Yes. It does stress up. And it affects your blood pressure and so many other organs in the body. And that affects the health security we are talking about. Yes. And before you know it, somebody is sick. Yes. You see, thank you so much for that dimension, you know, and uh, the frustration in terms of infrastructure, you know, energy, power. We really don't have security in those areas. You get home, no, for your fan cannot blow, mosquito is biting you. And by the time you know it, malaria is coming. And and all those and so on and so forth. Mr. Abbey, maybe you, you want to add to what is, she said on uh, yes. and that. Yes, I would just have to what Madam said, even that aspect, health, the structure is not just there. After all that, you get to the the, uh, the, the place where you need to get your health care and all that. Yeah. You have to wait hours. If you are attended to at all that day, you are not asked to come back the next day or all that. So the health sector is also a major issue where uh, uh, needs to be addressed. Mm. Also, uh, looking at education, we see graduates coming out uh, over 600 people every year as graduates across the nation. Is it, is it 600,000? 600,000 every year as um, people coming out of school, graduates, and a combination of uh, postgraduate and graduates, and no job. The issue of unemployment. Even if when they are employed is not a, an employment that can that is measurable, so all of that has to the frustration Madame is talking about, and it's it's it's, it's all encompassing, like you mentioned, sir, mm. that if all these are not addressed, mm. the impact on the on the society, the impact on the nation is 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 very will be very uh, will be very devastating. Yes, yes. Okay. Thank you so much. Then I want to now take it just on. To see 
the Nigerian physical security because you see the budget. If you were listening to these people in the parliament the other day, uh, they were talking about Nigerian budget for the next year, and the bigger budget was on uh, physical security. What on physical security? You know, so it's like it's like wasting resources. You are treating symptoms. Physical security is a symptom of an underlying insecurity, an underlying security challenge at the primordial level, at the very elementary level. So that's just a symptom. But we are budgeting so much in Nigeria for physical security. And it's the biggest budget of government. When you move around states, they tell you their security votes. No, the governors. They don't even account for all these security votes. And the money they devote for security votes will even be more than money they spent on other areas. Whereas, those security votes would have been scaled down. The security budget in Nigeria would go down if we are addressing the root issues that bring about physical security. And the number one issue essentially is poverty. Because people poor, because you find, you move around the streets, you see the people who are, you know, fighting, they call them hoodlums. They are not hoodlums, a lot of these people. They are just uh, hungry and angry Nigerians. And you know, and you see them on the streets. And why are they on the street? They have no job. Why are they on the street? Why are they, you know, so angry? They are they, whatever. They are there. no place to sleep. Poverty is a killer of destiny. It's very destructive. And so, if you want to actually deal with it, rather than spending so much of Nigerian budget on fiscal security, if you were to devote that budget, a corner of that budget, to food security, to accommodation security, to water security, to health security, you find you only you did very little. Is it not what? Yes. 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 I maybe you want to contribute yes. there. If we, if we deal with the underlying, yes. we have less to do with the symptoms. Yes. Because it's, something brings about the symptoms. symptoms yes. And so if we are able to deal with that fundamental level, yes. we have little of the symptoms. So it doesn't do really manifest yes. a lot. Yes. Yeah. Okay, thank you, man. And uh, thank you for that, uh, that insight that you brought on to the discussion. Uh, Mr. Ebi, uh, I think I mean, I think you have, you know, something you want to then add to what she said. Thank you, sir. I just want to add that a country of over two hundred million uh, population, and the issue of uh, agriculture, food, which is in the hierarchy of need, basic, is not is not attended to, and where the attention is given is not maximally uh, looked at. Is, is a major problem for the country. And the, 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 that, putting that uh, in picture, like you said, sir, yeah. that the poverty level, when a man is hungry, becomes angry. Yeah. And we, it just recently we saw that happening in our nation. Possibly the answers, maybe they may not mention, we might still talk about that, but the answers is just a, a picture of how angry the Nigerians are. And those that spearheaded it, yeah, maybe they might be well to do, but those behind pushed that, that pushed that on 
when those men that had little or nothing, no employment, nothing to eat at home. And so they were, they were propelled when they saw that they, they just needed to go with force to ensure that, not, 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 um, not for destruction, but the intention was that look, we want good governance, we want food on our table, even the ones we are earning, don't take it away from us. And that's the frustration you saw on the street. Thank you, Mr. Ebi. We are going on a short break. Please do not touch that dial. We are going to be back very soon. Concord Security Services provides impeccable security services to its diverse clients, from banking to telecoms, from international examination institutions to big restaurants. Our emphasis on the use of cutting-edge technology to provide solutions to prevalent security challenges gives us a competitive urge in the industry. Our array of services include man guarding, CCTV, perimeter fencing, full body scanners, metal detectors, VIP protection, escort services, due diligence, and event security. We offer extensive trainings to our security personnel to improve their physical fitness, mental alertness, and exceptional skills in managing complexity at our two training centers in Ed John School of Management and in Elasa office. Engage our services today and let us give you peace of mind. Concord Security and Protocol Services Limited is located at 25 Abiakuta Street off Bailiat Bostop, Elasa Maja, Oshodi Apapa Expressway, Lagos. Telephone 0805-690-8568 or 0805-119-9931. Send a mail to info at concordsecurityng.com or visit our website at www.concordsecurityng.com. back to today's episode of the anchor we are dis discussing about the composite uh, security architecture uh, you know or what we call the strategic uh, security uh, architecture that uh, is important uh, for governor for governing a country and a family but just before I go into that um, the issue of inequality, and corruption. You see, national income, when it is more evenly distributed, people have uh, a good paying jobs that can give this above the living wage. Uh, they have, it, it, it has a way of moderating the misery index. Now, if we can deal with the issue of morality, get rich quick, if it can be deconstructed, and a new foundation is framed that is based more on equitable distribution of income. There are different tools of doing that. We're going to be discussing that, you know. Uh, and all these things are being dealt with. We are able to deal with these, these are very germane issues in the national income construct. Then, as we said, the foundation for a society 
that is more physically secure can actually be laid. That foundation can then be laid. Now, uh, I want us to now talk a little bit about this poverty in the world that led to um, the World Health, you know, led to United Nations in the year 2000. Uh, to bring onto the fore the issue of the uh, Millennium Development Goals. You know, I want us to quickly look at it. Why is it? Because there were eight goals. And they were set not just for developed countries, for all countries of the world. Eight goals. And so, and that if we deal with these eight goals, the world will be a fairer place to live. If you remember, they said number one, eradicate poverty. You know, and uh, hunger. Okay, the next one, achieve universal primary uh, education, promote gender equality, for instance, reduce child mortality. Those were the issues, improve maternal health, and ensure, you know, combat malaria. Malaria is killing people. Malaria, HIV, AIDS, and uh, it's ensure environmental sustainability in terms of the ecosystem. You know, but those eight, what happened? Did we really achieve anything between 2020 and now? You know, Mother, what do you want to say? Yes, in everything we are doing over here, implementation is always the problem. It's not as if we don't have the idea. It's not as if we don't have the capacity or capability. It's not that we don't have the know-how. It's the implementation. For instance, the answers we are talking about, answers were just a, a, a fraction of the whole issues on, you know, we are dealing with. And so, as soon as that one started, other people had other grievances came on board. Now, just as it was mentioned, and poverty, and uh, uh, hunger, and uh, let there be good education, and the rest of them, we know how good all these things are. But the people that we are supposed to implement them are not there to do it. They don't do it, so to say. For instance, the warehouses that were boggled, open. There were things to be distributed. Those are things that should have stopped hunger in the society. Hmm. Okay, so... I'm talking of implementation. Yeah, implementation. That it is not just about ideas. Yeah. We have ideas. Even when the United Nations, they didn't even need to tell us. We have people who know this here. We have the Aboyades. We have the, all those great economists here. They know these things. But like Manan just said, if what you know, do you do it? Do you implement it? Even when the capacity is existing. You know, Mr. Abi, maybe you want to speak yes, to ma'am. that. Yes. I, I want to add to that. Thank you, madam. I want to add to that that issue of greed and corruption. The greed for money, the, sorry, the love of money, like the Bible says, is the root of all evil. Like madam said, uh, referring back to uh, the uh, COVID uh, items that were made for the masses, for the poor. What was the reason for holding back? It's just basically an issue of greed and the, the leaders, our leaders are not, are not just um, ready to, to carry on, to take on the, the followers the way they should uh, carry them on. So if, if greed is dealt with, corruption at, his, at, 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 at a level will also be dealt with. So it is a function of, I want it all, I can have this all, let others die. 
And that's why what where, where that's why we find ourselves in this uh, situation. We must be accountable. Going back to the answers, that's what one of the demands. We are leaders must be accountable. Something is at, at, at given at, 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 at for them to to uh, administer or to, to to ensure that it goes wrong. It must it must be it must be adhered to. And, and until we begin to do that, hold our leaders accountable and let them ensure that what they are there for is what they are implementing. Implementation is still coming back. They can't implement if it's just for their personal goal. What is implementing into their personal pocket? So the issue of, yes, greed, uh, the issue of even corruption, you know, the issue of corruption, uh, the issue of People not being patriotic. And all these things that even when these goals are there, even when we have the capacity, because Nigeria is the richest black nation on earth. And yet, Nigeria has about the highest misery index in Africa. Nigeria has, you know, the highest number of poor people as a percentage of our population in the world, despite all the wealth. It's also, you know, economists tend to call that, when they, you know, developed economy tend to call that economic dualism. What is dualism? Poverty and wealth existing side by side. Poverty and wealth, economic dualism, existing side by side. We used to use uh, this place to, you know, as an example, when we have Morocco in those days. You see Morocco side by side with Victoria Island. That epitomized, that actually defined how you can look at economic dualism. So, in our country, Nigeria, how do we now, how do we overcome economic dualism? Because if income is spread, from where that is so much resources are spread, in whatever interventions, today reach those who are less, who are more vulnerable in society, Unless in doubt, then maybe we can begin to look at a more secured Nigeria. You know, I think, I think, I think that is the uh, we are coming to that conclusion that uh, Nigeria will actually be a safer place in terms of physical security if we deal with the foundational issues, you know, of poverty, of inequality, you know, of economic dualism. If we can deal with these problems. You know, and we have a more honest uh, leadership. People who have, in fact, let me add the fear of God. You know, people who have the fear of God leading us as a country. Now, you will then find a more even distribution of the, the commonwealth we call our gross national product in Nigeria. A more even distribution. And then, um, misery index will occur reduce and we live a better quality life in Nigeria. Okay, that is where we end today's episode. I want to thank, um, you know, my co-discussants uh, at the studio. Mr. Saimokpai, thank you for the insight that you brought into the discussion. And I want to thank you, Mr. Tebepina, you know, for the insight you brought to the discussion. At the end of the day, we leave this onto uh, our community, onto our people, you know, to then take the discussion further. Begin to discuss this further. So that at the end of the day, we can actually begin to look, get a better Nigeria. 
And as we get a better Nigeria, we have a more secure Nigeria. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us today. And until we come your way again, we say, do your own best in your little corner to make a difference in our world. Thank you and bye-bye. Communications Limited is a world-class marketing communications and branding consultancy firm located in Lagos State, Nigeria. We offer a wide array of consultancy and promotional services to corporate businesses and firms. Our services include strategic marketing activities, public relations, advertising, social media management, digital marketing, web development, brand development, marketing activation, strategic branding, market intelligence activities and telecoms, ranging from CUG management to airtime vending. Call Mindshare Communications today to help you achieve your goals. For further information, please contact Abiola on 0807-739-0974. Send a mail to info at mindsharelimited.com or visit our website at www.mindsharelimited.com. Address 184A Cardinal Road, Crystal Estate, Amuwadafi Estate, Lagos.